hear the echoes of rain and nature and how they impact our mental well-being. Only here on the People Scientist Podcast. You are listening to The People Scientist. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, am a professor in nutrition with additional expertise in neuroscience and physiology. My goal is to give you practical and tangible information that is rooted in scientific evidence so you can walk away from this podcast with the tools you need to lead the healthy life you want to live. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast for episode 157, where I aim to arm us with some scientific information so that we can all become a little bit smarter and a little bit healthier with every new episode. How are you feeling today? How is your day going? No matter what you are doing right now, thank you for inviting me into your day. I started this podcast for my family when I moved from Canada to New York, and I figured if anyone else listened in, then how awesome that would be. So by extension, you have become a part of my extended family if you are a continued listener. And the information I share here is done with that kept central and paramount in my mind. So that being said, what interesting information do I have in store for you today? Well, two things helped me come up with today's topic. One, that it is a rainy weekend here, and it's actually currently raining outside right now. And I started to think about why neurobiologically rain and nature sounds can often be and have a very soothing effect on us. Second reason that helped me choose this topic is that I've actually filmed a few dance videos recently related to rain or the ocean. So I thought, how cool would it be to do an episode on the neuroscience of nature and water sounds? How can we use that to our advantage for our mental health? So today I will get into that and more. Honestly, I think overall that we are not taught how to cope with stress very well in our generation. So throughout this podcast, if I ever come up with or come across some interesting ideas to help with coping with stress or stress management, then I will make sure to share it with you here. I would like to help create a toolbox for all of us with different options to pull from whenever we might need them. And today's episode is an example of that. So I hope today gives you something new and interesting and helpful to think about. But before we jump into the core takeaways of today's episode, as I always do, let me share with you a foregone fact where I will tell you a scientific finding from long ago. All the way back in 1875, Osborne Reynolds, in a short paper entitled On the Action of Rain to Calm the Sea, had discussed the action of rain in calming a rough sea or rough ocean. He expressed the opinion that each drop of rain produced a vortex ring, which, when it enters into the water, can transfer momentum from the surface layer of the water to its underneath layers, therefore reducing the relative motion of the layers on the surface of the ocean and calming the water. Interestingly, then again in 1949, scientists like Barnaby Ashton and Sullivan in the journal Nature 
brought up this theory again and somewhat had a scholarly fight about it. And I really love how scientists used to write back then. It's certainly different than how we write in scientific journals today. Barnaby in 1949 wrote, quote, In Nature of August 20th, page 320, a letter appeared giving details of experiments which indicated that falling drops, which strike the surface of water at their terminal velocity, do not produce vortex rings in the water. I have, however, recently performed experiments on similar lines, which in no way agree with this result." End quote. In his paper, he then goes on to support the original theory back in 1875 that rain can indeed help calm the seas by transferring energy from the surface of the water into the deep depth of the water as the raindrop penetrates into the deeper layers of the ocean. It's an interesting notion. What do you think? Have you by chance found yourself out on the water in the rain and noticed if it helped calm the sea or not? I actually happened to ask Lieutenant Gills about this as he is frequently on the water in the Navy and he was a guest lecturer, guest speaker on the podcast last year, if you recall, where he talked about his military perspective on leadership. And he had noted that there are many factors that can influence the motion of the water in the ocean, like air temperature, winds, and which ocean someone is in. But he did note that on clear days with heavy seas, that he has happened to note particularly rough waters. So maybe there is something to that. Maybe the rain has the potential to calm the seas. Well, that is the foregone fact for today's episode. Now, how about we get into our core takeaways of today's topic on rain sounds, nature sounds in general, like birds, and how that in general can have a neurobiological and mental health impact. In today's People Scientist podcast episode, I'm delving into the world of how environmental sounds can impact our mental well-being. This can include nature sounds like the rain, the ocean, birds, and it can also include city sounds and exploring how all of those sounds may impact our health. Now, if we consider the foregone fact I just shared about the possibility that raindrops might calm the sea, let's consider if they can also calm us. I mean, we are, in fact, about 60% water by weight as well. So maybe there's something to that. In this episode, I share a neuroimaging or brain imaging study that found that listening to nature sounds like birds or rain can shift brain communication, promoting relaxation. And this may be due to the evolutionary adaptations of what these generally positive nature sounds are associated with. So in this episode, all the way from theories of 1875 about the rain pacifying the sea to the latest advancements in brain imaging today, I'm going to illustrate how these sounds possess the ability to impact our brain activity and contribute to stress recovery and mental health. In this episode, I do plan to give some tangible examples how we can take this information and apply it to our life for our benefit. So keep listening on for those details. I came across this interesting study in 2016 that I wanted to share with you. It was published by Ratcliffe and colleagues in the Journal of Environmental Psychology, and they wrote about the restorative effects of nature sounds, and specifically bird sound. This study investigated the associations people have with different bird sounds and how these associations relate to the perceived restorative potential, they called it. What they mean by the perceived restorative potential is how likely the sounds were to result in a positive effect on their mental and emotional state. Somewhat reset themselves emotionally into 
resolve some of the stress that someone may feel. So the study involved 174 adults from the United Kingdom who rated 50 different bird sounds on the restorative potential of these sounds. The individuals also provided qualitative data on their associations with each sound as well. The findings revealed that bird sounds rated high and having a positive mental and physical effect happened to be associated with green spaces, the seasons spring and summer, daytime, and active behaviors in the environment, like if we are out and about in the environment. On the other hand, bird sounds that had a low resting potential or low restorative potential were linked to exotic and marine environments, non-avian animals, and showed a trend toward associations with negative bird behavior. Can you guess which birds rated high for a calming effect and which birds did not? Well, the bird species that rated the highest for having a calmative restorative effect were the dunnock, and close behind was the green finch. Now, I will play both of these bird sounds back to back for you so you can hear what I mean and see what kind of effect it has on you. So what did you think? Did you find those bird sounds in particular to be calming for you? Now, in opposition, can you guess which birds rated the lowest for restorative potential? Well, in this particular study, when they had involved 174 people, they had rated the silver gull, the red wattle bird, and the raven as having the least calming effect. Now, here's a sound clip of ravens to play and let's see what kind of effect it has on you now. Now, what did you think of those two very different bird sounds? Now, the first clips I played of you were of the Dunnock and the Green Finch bird, which in the study of 175 people, they said was more calming and had more of a, a restorative effect, whereas the raven tended to have a less restorative effect. But one important thing is that there is variability. Some people may actually really like the raven sounds and may not like the first sounds I played. And that usually has to do with life experience and conditioning and what we associate with the different bird sounds. But probably because most of you did not enjoy hearing the raven sounds, I'm going to play a few seconds of the pleasant bird sounds again just to kind of reset your mind a little bit just in case. Probably much better, right? I think this was a good exercise for us to just see the potential impact that nature sounds can have on our restorative potential or how calm we feel or our mood. Maybe we didn't appreciate the effect it had before. But why, if we take a step back, why might we enjoy the first bird sounds and not the latter with the raven? 
While the scientists speculate that the bird sounds we prefer that have the calming effect, we tend to associate with things like sunshine, the morning, calmness, lack of a storm, lack of a predator, peace. Whereas the birds that tended to be rated low for restorative potential, like the raven, tend to be associated with negative bird behaviors like scavenging and therefore death, aggressive behavior, loudness, and threatening or unpleasant action. So through evolution, perhaps innately as the human species evolved, that we became to know that particular birds and particular bird sounds meant different things. And perhaps we find the sounds of the dunnock and the greenfinch to be pleasing and calming because it's associated with things that we tend to need to survive. But it's also possible, like I said, that we are conditioned to these different bird sounds throughout our life simply by going about our everyday activities and associating certain birds and sounds to certain events and feelings in our life. How about another study in the context of nature sounds and the impact it can have on us? Medvedev in the Journal of Applied Acoustics in 2015 had investigated the restorative potential of nature sounds in general, meaning that they wanted to understand which sounds in the natural environment can help us reset our body and mind and to have that peaceful calming effect. In this paper, they discussed two studies in which they investigated nature sounds and city sounds on the physiological stress response in humans by measuring skin conductance and heart rate variability. They tested the effects of these sounds when people were resting and after a stressful task. The sounds they compared were ocean waves and bird songs versus traffic and construction sounds, as well as motorbike racing, heavy aircraft, orchestral playing, and silence as a control. Now, following a stressful task, they noted larger decreases in heart rate, and that was associated with the least eventful soundscapes. When at rest, sounds perceived as pleasant produced lower skin conductance levels compared to sounds perceived as unpleasant. So what this study suggests is that exposure to pleasant sounds, such as the bird song or the ocean waves, can contribute to faster recovery from stress, as evidenced by the changes in the physiological markers like skin conductance and heart rate. On the other hand, the sounds that the participants found to be unpleasant, like traffic or construction noise, may result in less favorable physiological responses, and perhaps we can speculate that it will change our health in the long term as well if we can't really recover from that stress. And it also highlights the potential benefits of incorporating these positive sounds within our everyday life, such as the nature sounds, especially in the context of city living. If we can somehow incorporate these natural sounds in city living, then we might be able to promote health and reduce stress. But again, what's interesting is that everyone is different. I lived in Manhattan for seven years and became very accustomed to the sounds of the city, and it became my new baseline. I actually found it was easier to wake up in the mornings because there was a lot of noise and the city became alive quite early in the morning. Usually about 6.30 in the morning, I could hear people going to work. I could hear vehicles. I could hear the, the trucks moving and the garbage trucks and whatnot. And I was like, okay, it's time to wake up. The city is alive. And then when I moved to Williamsburg a few months ago, I was like, wow, this city is too quiet. It feels weird. It's hard for me to wake up now because it's very quiet. So I do believe that what we are used to, what we are conditioned to, can really play a significant role as well. 
And I think this raises the question, though, that if we are living in loud environments, like I was living in Manhattan, it raises the question, can that have a long-term negative effect on our health? If, according to these studies, it is preventing us from recovering from stressful tasks fully. Now, living in a loud environment may also pose the risk of inadequate quality sleep if there are constant disruptions that may stir us and disrupt the architectures of our sleep stages. We may not even fully realize the impact that that outside noise is having on us because a lot of the times the impact of the noise is subconscious. We don't necessarily realize it or the noise doesn't necessarily wake us up fully, but it's simply taking us from a deep sleep stage into a lighter sleep stage. In fact, Helperin in the journal Sleep Science in 2014 wrote about this. Helperin highlights the emerging evidence that ongoing exposure to nighttime environmental noise could potentially, potentially lead to long-term negative effects on heart and metabolic health. Imagine if we're trying to sleep and all we hear is the constant noise of traffic or other disturbances. It turns out that, that kind of environmental noise, especially at night, can disturb our sleep without even knowing it we may be less likely to remain in deep sleep as a result. Now, not getting proper sleep isn't just about feeling tired the next day, but it can influence our hormone levels and our metabolism as well. And that might not have a negative impact on us long-term, like on our cardiovascular health, our mental health, and our social lives as well. Just to give an example of the impact of sleep on something beyond just feeling tired, is something that can be impacted by not getting adequate sleep quite acutely is testosterone levels. Testosterone levels tend to rise the most during REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep. And if REM sleep is disturbed with nighttime noise, which some studies suggest REM sleep can be disturbed with nighttime noise, then testosterone levels may not be at their optimal level in people. And the less time someone is in REM sleep, the less likely they're able to get the rise in testosterone. So what's the takeaway of us understanding this? I think that we should really be paying attention to our surroundings, especially noise, and understanding how much that can affect our sleep, even if we're unaware of it. I don't think it's just a matter of comfort, but it could overall be a really big deal for our health in the long term. And getting a good night's sleep isn't just a luxury, but it's a key player in keeping us healthy long term. Caddick in the journal Building and Environment in 2018 dove into the details of what constitutes a good night's sleep. So in a nutshell, the best sleep environment is like a quiet, cozy, dark, and comfortable cave with good airflow. So maybe having a ceiling fan or an air purifier, for example. But how about in the context of noise? So when it comes to disrupting sleep, intermittent noise is generally more bothersome than continuous noise. Different studies have shown that exposure to intermittent noises like door slamming, passing trains, aircrafts flying over, and traffic noise can lead to increased night waking, arousals from sleep, changes in sleep stages, and reduced total sleep time. Continuous noise, on the other hand, can have mixed effects. While some studies suggest that ambient noise above 39 decibels may lead to increased night waking and poorer sleep quality, other research indicates that continuous noise that might be a little bit quieter like that coming from a fan, an air purifier, or a playlist of gentle sounds like rain, might actually protect sleep by masking intermittent noises. But I think most of us probably already knew that, but perhaps this is a helpful reminder that 
If you believe there could potentially be intermittent noises in your bedroom that might be dis disturbing your sleep architecture and the stages of sleep that you're in, perhaps it would be helpful to have a quiet, continuous noise in the background. One could try it and see how they feel over the coming days, and perhaps if you feel more rested or not, then having that quiet, continuous noise might be helpful. So neurobiologically, what impact might these bird sounds or nature sounds have on us? Well, Cassandra Gold Van Preg in the journal Scientific Reports in 2017 conducted a brain imaging study to understand the impact of listening to nature sounds versus a control sound. Now, unfortunately, the scientists do not appear to note these specific sounds they had used, but in the paper, they generally refer to sounds from artificial or natural environments, including familiar and unfamiliar sounds. Scientists have shown that being in natural settings can help people relax and feel better. So the scientists wanted to find out why this happens. So they said the body responded to sounds from both natural and artificial environments. So what did they find out? When they had the participants listen to natural sounds like birds or rain, there wasn't a significant change in a specific part of the brain associated with restful thinking, which they call the default mode network. However, there was a shift in how different parts of the brain communicated with each other. This shift was associated with an increase in a specific type of heart rate variability, suggesting a more relaxed state when exposed to natural sounds. These natural sounds were also associated with the activation of the rest and relax system that we call the parasympathetic system. So why does this matter? Well, these findings support the stress recovery theory, which suggests that exposure to nature activates the body's relaxation response, promoting well-being. So being in nature or listening to natural sounds isn't just about feeling good, but it's linked to various health benefits, including better recovery after surgery, reduced pain and anxiety, and overall positive experience. So as I always do, I like to bring in practicality or applicability of the information I share with you. So here are some practical tips to now take this information and apply it to our lives. Number one, if we can, let's try to keep a top of mind to spend more time in nature. If possible for us to take time to enjoy our natural environments like parks, gardens, nature trails, and particularly in the mornings, because that is when birds are out and about more, making more of their bird songs. And that, as a result, is associated with more restoration. And some of those brain regions, therefore, might be more active, activating the parasympathetic nervous system. Now, this involves many of us probably trying to go to bed earlier so that we can wake up earlier, too. So that might be something that we can keep top of mind. I know for myself, I probably don't spend enough time out in nature because I feel like I'm constantly busy working indoors. And I have to remind myself that it's okay to take even a 15-minute break to go walk outside, especially in the morning. So this is a reminder for you, too, if you're like me and you're always busy working inside. The second tip I have is to simply listen to nature sounds. We can incorporate nature sounds or natural sounds into our daily life, whether it's through recordings, apps, or by keeping our windows open. For example, we can specifically look up the sounds of the particular birds that I mentioned that were associated with the most positive restorative effects of the mind. Remember, this included the dunnock and the green finch, for example. There were a few more that had high restorative potential as well, these bird sounds were coming from birds like the silver eye, a robin, and a house sparrow as well. So you can always look up those bird sounds on different music apps 
and perhaps I can help create a calming atmosphere for you. The third tip is to take mindful breaks. I need this tip for myself. Take short breaks during the day to listen to nature sounds and just to step outside. And that can be a really great quick reset for our mind. The fourth tip is to try to place an emphasis on creating a relaxing space. If we cannot be outdoors, then let's try to bring elements of nature inside. So we can try to bring indoors, like in our office, in our bedroom, plants, natural light, and even nature-inspired artwork or a water fountain, which can contribute to a calming effect and having hearing that trickle of water, for example. Number five is to also learn our preferences. Some people may prefer the sound of rain, while others might prefer bird songs. And we just need to figure out what works best for us to enhance the most positive effects on our mental well-being. Remember, these simple practices, practices can contribute to overall well-being by tapping into the calming evolutionary effect of nature sounds. So that is a wrap, my people scientist army, our journey through the fascinating world of nature and city sounds and their profound impact on our well-being. From the mesmerizing theories of rain calming the sea dating back to 1875 to cutting edge fMRI neuroimaging studies, I've shared with you how these sounds can influence our brain activity and influence stress recovery. Now, the reason behind the calming effect of bird sounds and rain may have to do with what they signify. They might signify the presence of water, which is, in my opinion, the most essential nutrient. Humans cannot survive without water after about three to five days. So if it signifies water, that might tell our body, hey, this is good. You're in a good place. You're in a peaceful place. You have the most important nutrient here via rain or birds will signify the presence of water as well. Birds and rain and ocean waves often tend to have a calming effect. They also tend to be associated with sunshine and greenery space. Again, all things that we need to survive or desire. So based off of this information, in this episode, I share some practical tips and reminders for all of us, such as spending more time out in nature. And that can be as simple as just opening up our window or taking a five-minute walk outside to embrace those calming sounds. And if we can't do that, to try to create a tranquil space within our home or office, like having plants and a water fountain with trickling water or a playlist that has some of these relaxing sounds. I hope that I was able to provide some actionable steps that might just be able to enhance the restorative capacity of nature and to enhance our emotional state. As we navigate our personal spaces, I think it becomes pretty evident the power of sound and how it extends beyond just mere enjoyment or annoyance, but these sounds can actually impact our levels of stress. So whether we are looking to improve our sleep, manage that stress, or simply enjoy a moment of peace, I think it's important to consider the potential of immersing ourselves in the soothing symphony of nature. If you want to catch more content from me, you can follow me on social media. The handles are in the description box to this episode. Now, I do not take or make any money off of the podcast, as this is just a passion project for me, and I don't accept sponsorship or ad opportunities, and I do that so that I can remain as unbiased as possible. But if you want to buy me a coffee to say, hey, thank you for the show to help support the cost of the podcast, then I thank you so much for that in advance. I hope that you all have a wonderful week, and I look forward to meeting you back here next time for episode 158. Bye for now. (music) 
I'm a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of William and Mary and their affiliates. Thank you.